Well, it turns out we got some breaking news to open the show. Travis Kelsey is now the new mayor of Cincinnati, Ohio. Can you believe that? <laughs> and rightfully so, right? Wasn't that something? What a win for the Kansas City Chiefs. Back to the Super Bowl. Be their third in four years, right? Yeah. I tell you what, because they're playing the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, I'm now the biggest Chiefs fan. Biggest Chiefs fan. I'm a Dallas Cowboys guy, so that should tell you the story okay. on how I feel about the Philadelphia Eagles. And also, if the Chiefs win, it makes my job a lot more easier. I'll and just interesting. Say that I, I know this is a K-State show, and we'll get to K-State quickly, but for them to win that game under all of those circumstances with Mahomes basically on what I'll describe as one foot down to, what, maybe their number two receiver – maybe their number five receiver and a guy just off the practice squad and those kind of things. That's crazy. And then uh, to, to get the punt return from Sky Moore, that was, that was just an amazing, amazing game. And Joseph Osai with the uh, late yeah. hit yep. out of bounds on Patrick Mahomes. And that's been a big topic on social media today. Like, was it a late hit Was or was it not? Going back to a play towards the goal line before the Bengals made it, a, a 2020 ball game there was potentially a late hit on the Kansas City Chiefs like well the difference was the player for the Bengals going out of bounds was not the quarterback and the referees are going to be watching a lot closer on that quarterback to see if he's hit late out of bounds or not to of course protect him so they're going to be very like a hawk watching to see if that's a late hit or not did you think the call was close or a no-brainer well Here's the deal. As bad as I thought the officiating was at times during that AFC Championship game, I absolutely thought that was a late hit. It was definitely the right call from my perspective, and and not all that close. I mean, it's just he's just too far out of bounds. Um, you, you have to call that under any and all circumstances if you're officiating the game. And now uh, I was going to bring up Patrick Mahomes, but you were right. You mentioned that he wasn't alone with when it came to injuries. I felt like I was watching the Big 12 championship game over again because, yes, maybe the Chiefs do have the advantage, but they start dropping like flies. I was watching the ticker. If you were paying attention to the ticker at the bottom of the screen at the end of the game, mm-hmm. they mentioned player after player after player. felt like there were five or six of them that got injured during the game and did not return. Said so like, you know – I'm trying to think. Like, um, Legereus Need early was Legereus a monster. Need, yeah, yeah, that head injury. Yeah, yeah. And him. Yeah, you, now you're missing a corner that you don't have for the rest of the game. And and Joshua Williams, you know, he at one point I think got hurt, and he was listed as uh, like not coming back into the game. Like it was a number of players. I was like, man, like and this wasn't really being touched on. I thought that Kansas City was losing a lot of players during the game, or at least maybe it was more than I thought it was. But um, what a win for Kansas City. And Travis Kelsey at the end calling the mayor of Cincinnati a jabroni really popped the boys, I thought, on that one because I I think we all saw what Cincinnati was doing a lot of talking. They were doing a lot of talking before that game. Even the mayor of Cincinnati, I, I don't know how to say his name, but he even put out a video and like need to do a paternity test for Joe Burrow to make sure that he's the dad or not of Patrick Mahomes or something like that. I was like, my Lord. It's like, yes, you've won three in a row against Kansas City, but, man, that is a lot of jawing going into a big game. And uh, and I, I, you know what? I loved hearing all the Kansas City Chiefs players talk about that afterwards with the media. Well, it, it is very, very clear, even to your most average sports fan, I mean average, that 
somewhat will pay attention to the game, doesn't really carry the way, whatever, maybe a, a Chiefs fan to a tiny degree, even they would see that that was motivating to Kansas City in every way. And I, I understand why. I, I just do. That, that Kansas City's been, in the last five years, the class of the AFC. You do not give them any gas for the fire. And they did it all week long. They just did. You can't argue that. All of that baloney with the with the mayor and the the borough head and all oh. that stuff. Come on, man. Yeah, that's what really sparked it, right? Which Cincinnati fans were actually doing that last year. They were doing well, maybe not necessarily borough head, but they were doing, um, you know, the tomahawk chop. Sure. When cheese fans goes, oh, oh, oh. yeah, they were going Joe oh, Burrow or whatever, like <laughs> something like that. Which I would have done it, Joe Burrow. I, I would just would have repeated like that. You know, we can make it a little bit better, Cincinnati fans. I'll be honest with you, I did kind of enjoy that back and forth, especially with the most of it coming from Cincinnati. Sure, I thought some of their stuff was a bit clever. With the way they were trying to get in I'm the not, hands of Kansas City. I'm not debating that in any way. I'm just saying, if you're the Bengals, the last thing you want to do is to do anything to motivate Kansas City any more than they already were. And I think they did. And then Chiefs fan or Chiefs uh, players are lighting up cigars on the on the on the field after the game. <laughs> and I even saw pictures of uh, a couple of players yeah. for the Chiefs. Um, I can't remember who it was. But they went up into the crowd. As a matter, they went into the concession stand after the game, and just started to go get beer. It was like one of the uh, fan bars there where they. You're talking about the players. Yeah, the the players were going into the concession Uh stands and taking beer. Yeah, probably not the first beer Creed Humphreys ever had. I saw a picture of him walking out of there with a couple of twelve packs or whatever it was. Oh goodness! But that was an amazing game, even though it wasn't as high scoring. You know, twenty three to twenty. It's not the most exciting game, Truly. but it was tight. And Kansas City got to that ten point lead, and like, oh my God, are they going to do it again? Blow a double digit lead to Joe Burrow and the Bengals? Are they seriously going to do it again? Because Kansas City had not been good in second halves against the Bengals. The Bengals had come back every time to beat Kansas City in the last three, and I thought we were about to see deja vu. Well, I'll just say this. Mahomes gets a lot of headlines, and he should. Overcoming what they did yesterday with the injuries, whether it was Legereus or any of those offensive guys, that's all fine and good. But Kansas City did a a remarkable job, from my perspective, defensively in that game. They were really getting after Burrow early. Cincinnati adjusted, as you certainly would think that they would. But still... Cincinnati ran better than Kansas City did, but not enough to to get the swing the game in their favor. You agree with that? Yeah, the pass rush was really big. Yeah, and so <laughs> I just thought it was a very very entertaining football game, and um, should be a whale of a Super Bowl. And I'm not gonna lie, like there was for a moment there, I thought Mahomes was starting to choke. Like I I'm sorry, but there was for a small portion of that game, I thought. Mahomes is gonna is gonna maybe throw this one away for Kansas City because there was a couple of drives. You mean that, based that, on the fumble or? Yeah, there. I mean, there were a couple of drives, but yes, the fumble was pretty big. I mean, that was oh, a very huge. crucial time to to cough up that football, and it, it just it seems like a mistake that Mahomes doesn't make very often. And it's in the biggest game of the year, 
Joe Burrow's the other quarterback, and there was that was definitely a time you did not want to give Cincinnati any uh, momentum. Yeah, I would probably take exception to. Mahomes blowing it, but I understand. Yes, maybe a little yeah. bit harsh, but yes, he would have. <laughs> nationally, it would have been Mahomes lost the game. Joe Burrow's now the guy in the AFC. Well, it, I think there are some people that feel that way anyway, but I, well. I, I'm I'm not necessarily one of those. But yet, with that said, I, I think the AFC is blessed right now with what I will describe as probably four quarterbacks there is that are really, really, really good. Obviously, yeah. Josh Allen and the kid in San Diego are all, with, with the two from yesterday, are, oh my goodness, Well, and, off the charts talent. Yeah, I mean, Brock Purdy, he got hurt, you know, was it the first or second drive? He, his, you know, the ball gets knocked out of his hands and his, his yeah. elbow buckles and he doesn't come back and doesn't come back in for almost the rest of the game until he absolutely had to and the fourth string quarterback gets hurt so they can only run the football like San Francisco unfortunately for them and Brock Purdy and I give all the credit to Brock Purdy over the last 7 games he won for helped win for uh, San Francisco in that run they made to the NFC Championship game but I mean once he got hurt I mean everything when it comes to momentum and the sales for San Francisco was completely gone. By the way, ESPN now reporting that Purdy will be out at least six months with a torn ulnar collateral ligament. Jeez. Yeah, I think that was way worse than what it looked like. Yeah. After hearing that, I never would have assumed it was that bad. I think I could safely say that I think Brock Purdy's a pretty good competitor. And when he walked up to the coach like he did yesterday and said, I can't go, uh, that was pretty telling. Now, he went back in there, but he didn't really – Couldn't throw it. He couldn't throw. And so they were up against it in a big way. But, yeah, I'm like you. I For, for what he did for them and in such a bizarre – you know what? That's a really good football team. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what their quarterback situation is going to look like next year. Yeah. But their, their boy, defense is legit. You want to talk about debate. Oh, boy. So you got Trey Lance uh, – you have Garoppolo, yeah, and you got Brock Purdy, sure. Now fighting for a job, um, you got three guys that could that could start, mm-hmm. and now man, I mean, fans are going to want one guy, or some fans are going to want one guy, some fans are going to want another guy. That's a whole debate. That, that's a whole hour. Well, let me right tell you there. how that works. Mr. Shanahan will decide, not the fans. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. But I think there could be a battle between the fans on who they want, and oh, I think a lot of people would actually stick, want to stick with Brock Purdy. Yeah. That long winning streak and getting to the NFC Championship game, unfortunately, is one of them was over my Dallas Cowboys, and I can't believe I saw Brock Purdy outplay Dak Prescott. I'll be quite real with you; it made me sick, um, especially after I've seen how Brock Purdy can play at a time or two with Iowa State. Um, but, what is wrong with you? Why are you a Cowboys fan? Uh, my grandpa, Sir, my with gra- all due respect, my grandpa, my and my dad's huh. side of the family, most of them are Cowboys fans. Okay, well there you um, go. There's reasons my, for everything. My grandpa was a Cowboys fan and just kind of rubbed off on me. Even though <laughs> my dad is a Chiefs fan, uh, good for him. Uh, I was still alive for three. I, I've been alive for three Super Bowl victories, but the last one was when I was five. <laughs> Do I remember it? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a dry spell for you, bud. I, I've, I've been blamed. I've been accused of being a bandwagon fan. I'm like, listen, that bandwagon hasn't had any wheels on it for 20 years. It's about right. I sometimes, think it's roughly 20 ish. Sometimes they get that wagon into the shop 
for uh, for some maintenance, and they might make the playoffs, but it doesn't go further than the divisional round. So well, I, I don't know if there's much of a, a bandwagon there. Just a big fan base that was built up in the 90s, and now it's reputation. Uh, yeah, I think closing the, the, the Chiefs and pro football talk here, sort of what I would say is, and I mean this honestly, I, I think I'm very hopeful that Chiefs fans are not to the point where they're taking Mahomes for granted because he is just an amazing uh, – he has just such incredible toughness and savvy and skill set. There are guys that have maybe a stronger argument than him, but but just in the way he – he finds ways to beat you. And he's really, really t- – I mean, I don't know if you can show any more toughness than he showed yesterday, man. That was incredible. Turn my mic back on. He's an absolute warrior. I give him all the credit that he is certainly due. And as we were talking earlier, going back to just, you know, the what was said by Chiefs fans after the game, you know, some of that as well was you better now be putting respect on Patrick Mahomes' name because I also think as well with the win for Kansas City, that was a big boost once again in Kansas City's reputation because I think – as you you know hinted at earlier, that maybe Cincinnati was starting to steal a little bit of that thunder, because Joe Burrow was now hot and winning games, and just smacked Buffalo around in Buffalo, and what was Kansas City a two point favorite heading in? A lot of people thought Joe Burrow was going to win that game. I think it might have been fifty fifty. You know, going into that game, that Joe Burrow could go get it done. Mahomes got the revenge though. And on one leg, won the ass-kicking contest. I'm not the first to say that, by the way. I just thought that was a good line. Uh, yeah, that that was – watching that performance, yes. Definitely shouldn't take him for granted. Although, if he's got two limbs when it comes to legs and he's got a couple of arms, he's going he's gonna to do his best to be out there for you. Well, to make five straight um, AFC championship games or whatever, I mean, that's just – yeah. it's indescribable how good it is. Um, and it's really difficult walking through life when everything is a disappointment unless you win the Super Bowl. I, I don't know. Sometimes I just think people don't quite get what it takes to get there. This was a challenge to even get by yesterday, and they haven't won the world championship. They still have one more to go. If you ever hated Tom Brady and the and the and the uh, and the Patriots for winning all those AFC <laughs> championship games and Super Bowls. Sorry, Kansas City, but you're turning into what you hate. That's a, well, you're already there. That's a dynasty. If you win another Super Bowl, that is certainly the conversation. But the thing is, not I don't really get that vibe around the NFL when it comes to the fans that they hate the Chiefs because they're winning. Mahomes is a very likable guy. I think there are probably some that, For that sure. are anti-Kansas City now because that you know that's kind of what happens when you win more times than not or are in – to the season that far, that that deep for that type of length of time, you know. Um, your Cowboys used to do that. They always used to be in the playoffs, and they always were championship-caliber teams. And, and there have been others. You know, dynasties happen in sports. Not all that often, but they do happen. Um, and I, I don't know that they're even a dynasty yet, but they've been so legitimate um, and adaptive um, – I mean, I think that's the thing. The the constants are Mahomes and Kelsey and Big Red and maybe a 
another handful of guys, but they've also – I don't know if you noticed yesterday, but Tyreek Hill wasn't out there. He was not. No. Have you ever been to the Super Bowl? I have not been to a Super Bowl game, and that's that's one thing I'd really like to do someday. Wouldn't you? I would too, yeah. and uh, probably the only chance I'd get to is to be media <laughs> uh, because five grand for a ticket. A little above your price yeah, range? A little bit yeah. too much for yeah. this guy. Uh, Wyatt, I suppose let's go ahead and take our first break. We'll get to the wildcat portion of this program when we come back as we look back at the last week for K-State men's basketball after this on Wildcat Insider. It's Wildcat Insider on KMAN, Mitch Fortner, and the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. I don't think we've officially, I've officially introduced us. Got to talk a little Chiefs football there in the first segment. We'll get to the Cats now, but actually uh, going to start out here with some breaking news. Um, this first reported by Pete Thamel. Haven't really seen anybody uh, locally report on this yet, but Thamel, I guess, with the uh, with the sources, he says, according to sources, Kansas State wide receivers coach Thad Ward is finalizing a deal to become the running backs coach at Illinois. He's a former running backs coach at Illinois from 16 to 18. Um, and um, he was also at Temple in Northern Illinois, Western Michigan. Went over the resume there a little bit. But, uh, yeah, of course, a little surprising to hear about uh, after just one year with Thad Ward. But, it, you know, of course, is this true? We really appreciate his time. His one season was a pretty big one with the Wildcats. And I got to say, I, I felt like I did see a difference with the wide receivers this year, with Malik Knowles having his best year ever, and so with uh, with you know, Cade Warner having a huge year as well, leading the team in receiving touchdowns. Yeah, and you saw some of those younger guys really come on towards the end of the season too. We know, you know, Philip Brooks would be good, but but R.J. Garcia as an example, maybe he didn't do what we hoped he would do for you know fourteen games, but uh, towards the end he was becoming a factor. And uh, I'll miss that. I think he's a really good football coach. If indeed this is, I have no reason to not think that's. I'm sure Pete Thamel will <laughs> have pretty good sources there. So, uh, but but I don't think that there will be a whole heck of a lot of turnover in the staff. Um, but um, man, he's a good football coach. Yeah, and I, you know, if, if this is as far as the turnover goes, and if there's maybe a little bit more, it wouldn't be the most surprising. I mean, the Cats just won the Big Twelve championship. Uh, Sugar Bowl made an appearance, competed with the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide, but of course, you know there is an effort to, you know, if you want to keep the, you know, the big ones around like the coordinators and and Klanderman and and Colin Klein, you know, you know, you got to throw a little bit money in there to to make it worthwhile, and uh, you know, you know, Colin Klein is of course a legacy around here. You know, Joe Klanderman, I'm sure with how well the K State's defense has played. His name is up at the top of a lot of those boards for teams that need a defensive coordinator or maybe some bigger, I say bigger, um, you know, programs. Coach Kleiman got on me about this, uh, and I'm trying to be careful. Uh, But I think we know what I'm trying to say uh, that would like to throw a lot more money at him. You know, we got to kind of play ball there. And I know this has been addressed by uh, Gene Taylor previously. And of course, that is a goal uh, to do those sort of things, especially heading into this next season. Well, when you when you have success like K State has had, and let's take the coordinators as an example, Colin Klein, you mentioned the job he did uh, in his first full year. That was that was extraordinary, really. And we've seen Joe Klanderman in a couple of years here when K State has moved from the four three to the three four, mm-hmm. really kind of changed the tone of K State football defensively. 
pe- people are going to notice, uh, just like they've noticed, you know, the job that the guy did at TCU and the guy did it at Texas Tech, and and, and people watch that stuff and they hire uh, with that in mind, basically. So, yeah, it, you <laughs> you. you uh, Winning comes with a price when it comes to coaches, just because the good ones everybody's going to see, and they're going to be needs. So you you got to pay them to keep them. It's just the nature of the beast. It's tough to win. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, Coach Tang says that all the time. It's not easy to win. And a, a, another example of that, and I mentioned this a while back, but when you got guys like. Deuce Vaughn and Felix and DK Uzama leaving early for the NFL draft, and they're both, of course, expected to go. Felix, of course, a lot higher than than Deuce. Like that's not exactly the worst problem to have in the world. It's just you know how do you keep up and all that. And of course, the story is still remains to be told uh, at this point. Uh, jump into K State hoops. It was a one in one week once again. Cats do fall a couple of spots in the AP poll. They are now. Number seven in the country, Kansas, by the way, which, of course, K-State plays in Allen Fieldhouse tomorrow night, is now number eight in the country. So it's a top ten matchup tomorrow in Allen. Yes, it is on ESPN+, Plus, but, of course, right here on K-Man with Wyatt's pregame coverage starting at 6 o'clock. Tip off a few minutes after 7. What's the official tip time? Do you know? 7.02. 7.02. There it is. Official tip time. ESPN+. Plus, But, of course, the action right here on K-Man. We'll talk about the Jayhawks a little bit later. Plan to do that in the second hour. The Iowa State matchup, even though K-State was down 10, did kind of turn into a nail-biter. As I felt last week, and I look back on it today, just kind of watch some of the highlights, just kind of refresh my memory about exactly how it went down, I did feel like there was a lot of storylines and a lot of pieces of the puzzle that built to the loss, 80-76. to But down the stretch, I mean, Noel and Masood were hitting some tough, deep threes. I thought K-State did enough offensively to win a game like that. Scoring 76 in Ames, nobody does that this season for an opponent. It's absolutely true. Defensively, it was just you know the rebounding and also Ashuna Shuni-E scoring in the paint. I think that's where it kind of got away from the Cats. Yeah, I think there are a couple of things you look at here. K-State really struggled on the, on the defensive glass, and that hurt them. They had only 14 defensive rebounds. Now – you can argue that there weren't a lot of missed shots because Iowa State shot 57% and K-State shot 52%, but they really struggled on the defensive side. And I say that to say this, that led to second-chance opportunities for Iowa State, and they scored 17 points to K-State's 7 on second chance. Also, Iowa State did a good job of turning 14 K-State turnovers into 25 points off turnover. So to me, those were the two biggest factors in the ballgame. And then the third would be, let's just be blunt, Iowa State is hard at home and they made a ton of hard shots and, and, and good quality mid-range shots. You know, I mean, they, they, they were good that night. They just were. Pretty good environment at Hilton, Hilton Magic. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I've, I've said for years, uh, it, it's, it's everybody hears the term Hilton Magic, but if you have not been there, I have such an appreciation for their fans. Very similar, I think, to here in that they're very passionate about their team. They know when to cheer and really when to, I mean, really crank it up when they have to to get after. Uh, there, were, there was a, a little bit of time there in that game against Florida where I think the fans did sense that K-State needed a push there, 
and they got even louder, and it, it certainly helped because K-State finished that first half on an 11 to nothing run, as an example. So, yeah, much like the K-State fans, they're into it, and they show up, and they, they know when to be quiet. They know when to be full throat, as people like to say these days. A couple of things here. Uh, mentioned the rebounding, uh, you know, the bigs across the board, other than, yep. you know, Keontae's, you know, he's a small forward, yep. but, you know, he, he does play forward, and he had a double-double. He had 10 rebounds in the game with 15 points. Uh, but a big, the bigs across the board did not have a single rebound in the game, which is was a big surprise. And that, you know, Tang said it, it that can't happen. They had to have a talk. We did see a difference in the Florida game for sure. No question. With those guys rebounding. Yeah, without a doubt. And again, no excuses, but I, I'm looking forward to playing Iowa State again with David Gasson. And not just from the rebounding perspective, but from the defensive side of things, because I think he is a better matchup against Oshun, Oshunii. Uh, ju- it just is. Um, he's good on the switches, but he's good in, in rolling into spots where maybe somebody doesn't get where they need. He understands that kind of stuff. Maybe you could argue that he is K-State's best defender overall. So they've missed him. And having him back against Florida, <laughs> I mean, you saw what Florida did in the first half. They were 6 out of 29. So mm-hmm. he, he makes some difference. That's for darn sure. Now, uh, in the Florida game, you mentioned you, you thought the crowd really turned it up at times. I thought it got loudest. It was right after Desi picked up that charge. Uh-huh. And Bramlage was T.O.'d by that call because I think we all thought it was a bad call. Mm-hmm. And Desi was frustrated. He was. And I, I think the fans started to get behind him a little bit, like, hey, cheer up, buddy, we got your back. And then it started to – there's been, I think – Three or four times in the last four games that I could say, like, I'm trying to you know not be a wuss here, but my ears started to hurt a little bit. It got that loud. I don't have yeah. headphones on, right? Like uh, I do. It, yeah. I was like, geez, it got loud. Oh yeah. And after that Desi charge, I was like, this is this is the doom. Here it is. Yeah. And this is also you know, I think it was actually around you know Florida just finished up that 10-0 run. Yeah. Right was, out of the gate, the second half. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I will say this, too. I, I can't stress this enough to those listening that are there you know, for, for every home game or most of the home games and making a difference how much Coach Tang talks about it at the start of every gathering there at courtside and postgame. But it, it's more than that, too. I mean, this is giving K-State such a lift – um, and they've become a really hard out at home, and that's that's exactly what you want. They're tough, but you put that on top of it where it's it's now the environment is as hard as anybody in the league, and I mean anybody in the league. Uh, now you got something cooking. Uh, you know, Keontae Johnson, very interesting story, of course. You know, best story in basketball. There's no doubt about it. His comeback story. It was featured on College Game Day on Saturday as they were doing the show from Knoxville. Um, in the Iowa State game, he had a, a quiet night. As a matter of fact, you know, ever since the KU game, Keontae's had a double-double every game, but it feels like it's the quietest double-doubles every night. It, it, just, it feels like he's not consistently, I guess, being effective uh, every trip down the floor. Maybe it's also because he's not hitting the big shots, you know, the three-pointers. He's not getting a slam dunk every game. And, I, you know, I feel like, and I kind of get the sense that people feel like he's in a slump right now. Uh, and maybe in some areas he is. I think if there's a slump going on, Mitch, right now, it's probably with with the shot. He's yeah. he like Saturday. I think you know he missed the one stuff, uh, 
and I think he tried to put a little exclamation point on that one because it was Florida, and he just didn't make the shot. But this is a very gifted shooter, and most times out, um, he well, I'll even I'll even just tell you for the season, this guy is is up above fifty percent from the floor for the year, and right at forty percent uh, from three. So he clearly can shoot the ball, but was just five of sixteen in this game. With that said, it's probably smart here to also say that. I think he's so good that sometimes you it, it kind of comes easy to him. And then that gives you the perception of, oh, well, he just, you know, he's doing what he always does. You know, 13, 14, 15, 17 points, 10, 11, 12 rebounds. That's really hard to do at this level. <laughs> so he, he is pretty legit. And, and I was thrilled for him uh, on Saturday just because – I mentioned this um, with Ari Timken on on SiriusXM this morning that I, I have not done a game with him uh, like Saturday before where I've seen him smile and grin and have such a good time. I think he was thrilled in every way to to play Florida, to beat Florida, to be a part of that, to be here. He is an amazing story. You said that perfectly. Yeah, and uh, I, I know you know those have put some uh, I say those like it's already been said on Twitter I thought it was a good line best post game handshake line ever yeah it was really cool watching Keontae go through that handshake line after the game I think one of the guys that that recorded that on his phone was the guy who called the game for television Rich Hollenberg did you see his yeah, version that, that's, of that it's I think it, you're exactly it right it was really good and and I mean he <laughs> I don't know how he, I mean he's right there in a pretty good spot so so he captured quite a bit of it and there may have been somebody that grabbed his phone and followed him down I don't know that but yeah you you could see the emotion um with Keontae with a couple of two or three there weren't too many more than that that he actually played with but but the the trainer I mean he he's made it very clear that he wouldn't be here without that guy um so yeah there was it was a big day for Keontae. Lots of emotion, I'm sure. Yeah, I almost got emotional because he's doing all his like personal handshakes. Exactly. Like they still With remember Castleton him. Was good. Did yeah. you see that? Yeah. After really a couple good. of years, they still know their handshakes. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> speaking of Castleton, um, whoever had the scout on uh, Florida and whoever drew up the game plan to stop them defensively, you mentioned some numbers in the first half. I thought double teaming on the baseline against Castleton yeah. really threw off their groove in that first half. Yes, Florida came out in the second half and started to score a little bit. It, it, it's whatever. I mean, K-State, well, they were up at the half 37-16. to 16. That was the best half of defense K-State's played this season, probably in my so. opinion. Yeah, I, I think that's probably pretty accurate. And I think because of that lead, I, I think they – I think it's fair to say they had a little bit of letdown at the start of the second half. I don't want to take anything away from Florida's ten nothing run there, and they, you know, they did a pretty good job, and they were they adjusted a little bit too. They were taking it more to the to the hold aggressively than they had in the first half, but I do think K State let down a little, and the next thing you know, it's it's a 13, 14 point game instead of a you know <laughs> twenty one point game. Well, that game Saturday, K State probably should have won eighty to fifty. I, I think they left some to be desired offensively, to be quite honest sure. with you. It was just, you know, 
I don't know if I'd call it the simple stuff. I don't know the right way to describe it, I guess. But, you know, just knocking down a couple more threes and just finishing at the rim. You know, cup, There are two missed dunks. Desi Sills had a great drive to the hoop and just missed the dunk with his left hand. That would have been incredible if he yeah. would have hit that, by the way. Well, to, to augment your point, you haven't seen many games here as K-State has now won 12 of their last 14 games where – Desi Sills and Ish Masood are a combined one for 10 as one example. Mm-hmm. We mentioned Keontae just 5 of 16. Naquan was just 4 of 11. So all the way across the board with a couple of exceptions because Gasson went 4 out of 5, uh, and Cam was pretty good too, 4 out of 6. I loved Cam's line. Uh, but everybody else had a little bit of a off shooting day from, from what they've been lately. Tell you what, Cam Carter has been a real nice spark the last couple of games. He was 5 of 5 from the floor on Saturday and uh, against Iowa State. Uh, let me make sure I'm not uh, – I'm sorry, he was 5 of 5 against Iowa State. Yep, 4 and of against 7. Florida was 4 of 7 but finished with 9 points and, and 4 assists. And when and 5 rebounds too. And that's yep. the thing I think that, that really sticks out for me, that Cam can be a little bit like Desi because he does everything pretty well. I don't know that anything sticks out about his game necessarily other than the obvious, which is his athleticism and effort. But as he continues to, to grow and, and get more experience and, and those kind of things, I mean, you see that he you see spurts where he's like and you're you're kinda of going, Wow, you know? He's a really good athlete. <laughs> and and I think he has a chance to be an all conference defensive type guy on top of a guy who can break you down off the bounce and and shoot it out to three. I mean, he's he's just a little less than, what, 50 games into a career, so he's got a long way to go. All right, we'll take another timeout. When we come back, you know, K-State beating Florida was just one piece of the puzzle of the Big 12 wanting to win this challenge against the SEC. We'll break down the challenge victory for the Big 12 when we come back on Wildcat Insider. It is Wildcat Insider on K-Man. Mitch Fortner, voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. Fresh off the call, Saturday's win, 64-50 over the Florida Gators. For your now seventh-ranked Kansas State Wildcats, who are now 18-3 on the season and a perfect 12-0 at home, and that does include the Nebraska win in Kansas City. Our number is 537-1350. Phone lines are open. Rest of the show, if you want to call in and chime in about what we are talking about today, I know that is, of course, you know, K-State hoops. Uh, now we jump into the Big 12 SEC Challenge. I think the challenge part of it on Saturday was predicting who was going to win these games. <laughs> I agree with that. Because <laughs> there were some surprising results in this one. Now, if, if, if you were to break it down a little bit further than just past what you see the final score is, yes, there is some, I guess, some reasonable explanations in a few of those. But who, who did I – was it – was it Stan Weber I was hearing talk about after the game? Like, or maybe it was. You know, it had to be after the game, or maybe it was before the game. I don't know. My mind gets to a blur at some point after a game is over. Uh, but was talking about on the broadcast that you know there's been some odd upsets in this one, and yet K State didn't allow that to happen. They didn't allow the upset bug in this Big Twelve SEC challenge to get to them, and they took care of business in beating Florida. But I gotta say. I was not more shocked than what I was to see Oklahoma beat Alabama. 
you have to be most shocked by that because unbelievable. They didn't just beat him; they huh. railed him. It was ninety three sixty nine, and they, it was never really close. They stomped a mud hole. It was, yeah. gosh, they were up seventeen at the half. When I when I looked at the box score, and I had known before I looked at the box that Grant Sherfield, who can really score, had mm-hmm. a heck of a game. He had thirty. But where I about swallowed my Adam's apple was Jalen Hill with yeah. twenty six and eight. Holy smokes. I mean, that was just incredible. They shot nearly 58%, and they were up 50-33 to 33 at half, and then came back and scored 43 more points in the second. I mean, that was nuts. 93-69 against the number two team in the country. Well, and, you know, Alabama really struggled to hit the three. They did. They were just 6 of 22. They've got a really nice team for the most part. They do. But, but they... I don't know. I, this is probably a little unfair to say. They had to not be on point like they have not, have been in in league play, and it is difficult. You know that's why I think these coaches would much prefer this. I know it's going away, but they much preferred the Big Twelve SEC Challenge to be in December during the non-con as mm-hmm. opposed to right. <laughs> at the end of January, right in the middle of the league race, it just Wait, doesn't make any sense. Why you can say it? The SEC is soft, even though they're considered. What, I think they're considered this year like the second best conference in college basketball. I don't agree with that, but <laughs> but I think some people think that. I, I'll say this: I think the 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 second best conference in the in the country is the Big Ten. Uh, but you can argue the SEC from just this point. Not maybe as strongly today as you could prior to Saturday, but you had Alabama ranked second. You had Tennessee ranked fourth. Kentucky had had their ups and downs, uh, but but the Auburn was 15th. I mean, the top part of the of the SEC is good, but I'm just going to call it like I see it. The bottom part of their league sucks. Trash. Yeah, it's yeah. not good. Yeah, and even back to Alabama. I mean, their top two scores were off the bench. Their starting five had a really off day. I mean, um, Brandon Miller, who's their best scorer and a very good three point shooter, is one of four from three. He and a one scored, and done guy, by the way. Yeah, and yeah. scored eleven points. He was four of fourteen from the field. A complete off day for him. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't watch the game because I wanted to watch Iowa State Missouri. Sure, uh, I thought that'd be a much better game. And I thought if we were to see ninety three sixty nine, it'd be of course in favor of the Crimson Tide. I didn't give Porter Mosier a chance in that game, uh, but wow, what a, I mean, what a shocker that was! And then, of course, Iowa State—they kind of put on a snoozer <laughs> themselves in in Columbia. I think Mizzou's a little bit better than than a lot of people might think. Well, and I think our minds are—you know—we all probably tuned in for KU Missouri in Columbia and just watched KU just stomp them. Sure. And so I, you know, I kind of felt like, man, Missouri might not be that good. And then they, you know, kind of prove a lot of us wrong, and we're thinking, you know, Iowa State just beat us. We're a really good team. That Iowa State should probably go in there and win a game, uh, a competitive game, but go in there and win. No, not lose seventy-eight sixty-one. Well, Iowa State in the midweek game against K State hit hit so many big shots. In this game, they were forty-five percent, which is pretty good, but they were just six of fifteen, and they only got to the foul line eight times. That's not very many, and. Uh, they they did not have Caleb Grill, uh, but they just they were just not as good as Mizzou. Kobe Brown had twenty points.
17 for Des Moines Hodge, and I think Mizzou is decent. I, I do. Um, and, and I also have to say, West Virginia, give West Virginia a lot of credit. They kind of got the day started the right way at home, beating number 15 Auburn. That was a that kind of got it going. Um, <laughs> it's amazing when you think about what West Virginia is in the league with two wins, and yet go look at the net and see where they're at. They're in the mid to high 20s, not 40s, 20s. So the league is just continuing to kick it. They, the league was 7-3, and three, and you had a TCU team who played without Eddie Lampkin, their starting center, and Mike Miles played three minutes and 45 seconds. Yeah, there was the— there, And they still had a chance to win the game. Yeah, a reasonable yeah. explanation was right there, <laughs> where TCU was trying to play without two pretty yeah. big— efforts usually day in and day out. I mean, Eddie Lampkin, I thought, is so much more improved than what he was last year. I mean, no, he was decent last year. I think he really proved himself to be better in the NCAA tournament. And then now he's a, I mean, talk about a rim protector and a guy that can really compete on the glass and and also score. You know, when the ball gets his hands, he gets an open open shot. He's going to probably score it. But yeah, Mike Miles, who is competing for Big 12 Player of the Year, when he's not available, he only plays three minutes. And it sounds like he's going to be okay. Um, so it's not really anything serious. Who knows when he'll be back, if he'll be right away or not. But, you know, of course, K-State plays him next week. Yeah, t- next week, Tuesday. Um, yeah, it's interesting, too, because one thing I'll say, you got to give Kansas credit for going on the road and winning at Kentucky under any and all circumstances. They were just 10-24 and 24 all-time against Kentucky, which means nothing in this game. But playing at Rupp Arena is hard. And, and KU... They outboarded Kentucky, who happens to have Oscar Shibley. So that's a, that's a big time game. And then I want to. I've got it taped. I, I want to watch Texas Tennessee because if Tennessee is is offensively challenged like everybody says, and they shoot fifty six percent, and Vescovy was their third leading scorer, <laughs> I'm kind of interested to watch. You might be seeing a lot of Tennessee getting to the hoop in that one. <laughs> yeah. Hour two of the game. We're going to hear from post game on Saturday. Marquise Noel, David Gasson, and Keontae Johnson going to comment about playing Florida on Saturday, plus our preview of the Cats and Jayhawks tomorrow. Hour two is coming up next a Wildcat Insider.